Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast, and the class today is dedicated in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat Gladys Shulamit Shukurbat Aziza. Leah Shalom, sponsored by Leah and Freddie Ini, and uh, as well, in sponsored and dedicated in loving memory of Randy Abdan. Leah Shalom, Lilui Nishmat. Rina Bat Esther, sponsored by her brother Michael Abdan. As well, uh, the week of cold brew is dedicated loving memory of Sammy Syed. Leilu Nishmat Shalom Ben Rifka, sponsored by his son Isaac uh, Syed. Azaku Baruch. Okay, Rabotai. We read in this week's parasha about the passing of Sarah Imenu. Okay? And there's something which I think is really interesting here that was pointed out in many Sefarim. You know, we've had a lot of really great women in the Jewish people. I mean, you know, there's starts with, you know, you have Sarai Menu for sure, but you also have Rivka, you have Rachel, you have Leah, you know, you have uh, Miriam, you have, you know, Tamar. There's, there's so many different unbelievable women in the Torah, and each one of them is great for a different reason. And although we find out about many of them passing away in the Torah, none, none is given as elaborate a discussion about their burial and the place of their burial and the circumstances surrounding their burial as Sarah Imenu. It's a drawn-out, protracted discussion about the purchasing of the burial plot. I mean, think about it for a minute. You know, for all of history, you're going to be able to kind of isolate a few moments from the great Sadiqim to be able to share with all future generations. So you tell me about the Akedah. I get it. That's a good one. You know, Avraham Avinu at the tent, you know, doing Hachnasat Orchim. Okay. Now you're going to tell me about the haki between him and Ephron, how much to pay for the burial plot. Could you imagine? Could you imagine you went to a funeral? Okay, just this week we lost two giants. We lost uh, Rav David Feinstein, Alav Shalom, And as well, we also lost the uh, chief rabbi of England, Jonathan Sachs. Two tremendous tzaddikim, each one in different styles, different uh, uh, worlds, but still um, accomplishing unbelievable things for the Jewish people. And yet, you know, I think if you went to the funeral of either one of them, and the son stood up and said, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to share with you something very important about the passing of my father. I went to Irving Leventhal's burial parlor, and he, you know, in the beginning he wanted to give it to me for free, and then he decided he wants to charge me, and, and then he charged me a lot. And I have to tell you about this burial place. I mean, it's not just one floor, there's two floors. Right? <laughs> Think about it. We're canonizing this in the Torah forever and ever. We're learning all of this about Sarai Menu's burial place. Why is this an important discussion to have? And what is it about Sarah that makes us talk and give such an importance uh, to the place of her burial? So I want to point out something which I think is very interesting. In every Torah, you know, whether it's the Faradi or Ashkenaz, Syrian, Iraqi, Indian, uh, Russian, Polish, German, it doesn't make a difference which Edai you come from. You'll see in the Torah it says that Abraham brought Sarah to this place, Lispod le Sarah vilivkota, to uh, eulogize Sarah vilivkota and to cry for her. And if you look in the word Livkota, to cry for her, you find that the chaf is very small. It's a little tiny chaf. And there are many different explanations as to what is really being communicated to us with this lib kota, with the crying of Sarai Menu. But it's clear that it's, the pasuk is 
minimizing the crying done by Abraham Avinu. Now, I think that there's an unbelievable lesson in this little letter, this little tiny chaf of Viliv Kota. And what's interesting to me is that it sounds like we're being told why Abraham wasn't crying. Now, or was crying less. What a sadeket. How much did they go through together, Abraham and Sarah? You know, and now she's gone. Why is it not such a tragic scenario for Abraham Avinu? And I think that there's something, again, what a tremendous lesson for all of us. What happens in the word Vilibkota if you take out the letter Chaf? Lamid Bet Chaf Taf Hey. What do we see there? Huh? Vilivta. What does that mean? No, that's with two vavs. Libeta. Where do we find that word libeta? In Shira Shirim. Excuse me, in Eshet Chayil. Where do we say libeta? Her house is not worried of, of freezing cold snow. Abraham Avinu was not crying for Sarah Imenu. Why? Because what she had done for her home was something which caused the house to not be afraid, to not mourn. I need to communicate this. The fact that someone is missing something doesn't mean that they need to be sad. Because a person is given a chance when things are taken away from them. They're given a chance, number one, to choose to cry about the fact that they no longer have that thing. Or instead, they can rejoice over the time that they had with that thing. So one more time. You have a time where, this, where a country goes through an economic depression. So people could cry about the fact that they have one year of a depression, or they could rejoice about the fact that they had a bull market, right, for uh, seven, ten years. People are always given the choice to be libkota people, or to minimize the chaf, and instead, what do they do? Libeta, they focus on the, what's it called, on the fact that the home that Sarah Menu had built was unbelievable. Abraham decides, instead of focusing on the loss of Sarah, to focus on the fact that Sarah Imenu had given him the greatest gift that a wife could give her husband, that a wife, a mother could give to their family, is to create a beautiful home. Women, mothers, I'm teaching you something here that is so important. Now that means, I don't care if you're an uh, an old school woman, Shatra, or if you're a new school woman, modern with your own career. You have a responsibility and a power here that lies in your house, and that is the power to build your home. This power will exist even after you're gone. It will create a scenario, a sense of belonging, a sense of security that will outlast your days here on earth. You, if you just got married, you, if you just had your first child, you, if you're just married off your first child, you, if you just married off your last child, the mother has a chance to build a stable home. A home 
which doesn't get rocked by the things that happen on a day-to-day basis. The Pasuk tells us about Sarah's life, and the life of Sarah was. Now what's interesting about the word Vayihiyu, what does it mean Vayihiyu? And the years of her life, she lived them. And they were. What's fascinating to me about the word Vayihiyu is look at that way it's spelled. Vav, Yud, Hey, Yud, Vav. And they were. It reads the same way forwards as it does backwards. Where else do we have this word in the Torah where everybody always talks about? In the word which uh, conceptualizes the idea of giving. Venatenu. Venatenu reads both ways because as you give tzedakah, what happens? The tzedakah, the ani, also gives back to you. So therefore the venatenu reads this way and it reads that way. Rabotai, Vayihiyu teaches us that the good years in your life that give to you and the bad years of your life that seem to take from you, actually they're identical. Each one of them gives you something that you need in your life to be able to have and hold in your life. Someone asked me yesterday, they had asked me a question and I'm, as a special shout out. Someone who said, I'm waiting a long time to have a shidduch. I heard the shi'u yesterday. In the shi'u yesterday, you talked about the fact that when God gives you a test, He also gives you the tools to be able to deal with that test. That's what you mentioned yesterday. She said, is that your answer to my question? That if I'm sitting here trying to find the shidduch, that the answer is that all the challenges I have in my life are also about recognizing that if God gave me the challenge, He also gave me the tools to be able to deal with it? I said to her, partially that is the answer. So what do you mean partially? I said, the first part of the answer says that if you have a challenge, you should know that Borei Olam is giving you the tools to get yourself out. The second part of that challenge, perhaps as or more important, is to recognize that there is no other scenario in your life that would be better for you than the scenario that you are currently in. Because God has infinite choices in front of Him to choose to send to you. And if He chose this set of circumstances, it was specifically so. So you're looking at other people who are married already, and you think, wow, you know, I wish I was married just like them. But you don't realize that actually they have a terrible marriage. Give it six more months and it's going to fall apart. You were better off not being married where you'd be exactly the same as your friend after being married and divorced as not being married at all. You look at someone, you say, look at this guy's job, unbelievable, look how much money he's making. You're not aware that in eight months' time, the business is going to go belly up, and this guy who did so well now owes, I'd rather be plodding along with no debt than be in a situation where I had a lot of excess for a short amount of time and then got myself to a level where that's not the case. But it doesn't even end there, Rabotai. It's not just that, you know what, I look at that guy's positive scenario and think to myself, maybe it's going to implode. Even when it doesn't implode. Do you know how happy they are? Do you know how spoiled they became by this life? Do you know how fragile they became because they had to have everything go their way? You don't know. So the second part of a person dealing with a challenge is recognizing the gift of this word. You look at you at the, at the years of your life, you think this one was a good year. 
That year was a bad year. Vayiyu, they're all the same. All the years, kulan, shavin tova. So let's go all the way back. You want to know why we spend so much time discussing the burial of Sarah Imenu? For one reason and one reason only, Rabotai. There's going to be a lot of tzedekets that come to this world. And there's going to be a lot of tzedekets that do a lot of great things. But Sarah is the mother of all of the Jewish people. And to be a Jew, you need to feel perpetually lucky. I'm going to say that again. To be a Jew, you need to feel perpetually lucky. You need to feel like you were given the greatest blessing on earth by being blessed with this lineage, with this family, with this nation, with this mission. If you don't feel lucky all the time, you fall out. So before we learn anything about anybody, what are we learning about? We're learning about Sarah Imenu. We're learning about Avraham Avinu losing the love of his life and feeling, he's crying, okay, of course, but not excessively. Because you know what to really cry about would be to not have had her. But when he looks at her and he sees Lotira Lebeta Mishalek, her house is never worried about Shelek, about any about snow, about freezing cold things. Why? Kichol Beta Lavush Shanim. All of her generation is wearing Shanim. What does Shanim mean? Literally, it means clothing, warm clothes. But the word Lavush Shanim is Vayu Shene Chayesara. The years of the life, we learned that lesson already. The lesson of Shanim, of years. Who taught us the lesson of years? The one who gave us the blessing of Lebeta, Lebkota without the Chaf, which is Sarah Imenu. She taught us that when a person lives their life and they have one year and another year and another year, you're lucky because you have the years. You're lucky because you have opportunity for growth. You're lucky because you have uh, the, the tiny blessings that you maybe think about uh, uh, you know, between from time to time, Rabotai, and with those words, I want to close. So why, therefore, are we learning so much about this Me'arata Machpelah? This always got me. Why is it called the Me'arata Machpelah? Anyone remember? One reason is because there's couples that are buried there. Me'arat, Kaiv, Machpelah, of Kaful, okay, of double. The second opinion is Me'arata Machpelah, a cave. Machpelah, it's double because there's two levels on it. <laughs> you know, they say there's a, a kid walking one day with his dad and they're walking past the cemetery. And the kid asks his father, he says, what does that mean? And he points at a grave. And on the grave it says, here lies an honest politician. And the father says to the son, that means that there's two people buried in that plot. Rabotai, you understand? <laughs> Right? That's what Me'arata Machpelah, the cave of doubles, you need to tell. Who cares if it's one floor, it's two floors? Right, you know, this is just like a, we're on street easy here, you know? Look at this amazing real estate, you know, it has two floors with a beautiful staircase, you know, a fantastic elevator. They're dead, they're lying in the ground. The answer is Rabotai. What causes a person pain when they pass is that they think only of the level where they are buried. But Me'arata Machpelah was the concept itself that taught you when you're buried in the ground, there are two levels. The level here on earth and the level that a person ascends to. So Abraham looks at Sarai Menu's life, Lipkota, the crying is very small. The Lispod on the other hand, 
The eulogy doesn't say that he shrunk the eulogy. Because the reason why he didn't cry is because he didn't have to shrink the eulogy. I went to a bar mitzvah this summer. A bar mitzvah of a remarkable young man. A boy that I was able to speak at his bar mitzvah. And I was able to say things about him that were very special. And I said, you know, it's very nice. I started the speech and I said, it's very nice at a bar mitzvah not to have to lie. You know, Rabbi says, oh, what a special kid. You don't know the kid, you know. Is he really so special? You know, what's so special about him? Right, his voice is changing. He's in eighth grade. Like, he read the parasha. They all read the parasha. What's special about it? I said, it was very nice. I was able to talk because I knew the kid well enough and I knew actually that he his achievements were actually outsized to his pint-sized little self. Okay? Avraham Avinu doesn't cry because he has what to say. Because the lispod was not small. Because he was able to communicate to everyone that came to pay Sarai Imenu her final respects. Look at what she did with regards to Hachnasat Urchim. Look at her emunah. Look at the, her, her tzidkut. Look at how she kept me on the straight and narrow. You all are so impressed with Abraham Avinu. Do you know that Sarah Imenu was even greater than me as a Navi? Since the Lispod was big, the Lifkot was crying, was small. The crying was small. Rabutai, we have a chance to fill our lives with episodes, with stories that one day they'll say about us. That one day our children, our friends, our family will be able to lay us to rest, to move, like they say, Marata Machpelah, to the next level. They'll have stories to say which will bring them comfort. But we, in our lives, sit with a pen in our hands, ready with our actions to write those stories. What are the stories that we can write today with our actions here and now that ultimately will bring great comfort to the generations that we leave behind as they share with their children and their grand and your grandchildren um, all the wonderful things that you achieved. Don't waste your days. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.